Hello everybody, welcome to your Blood Red podcast uh, with me Andy Kelly uh, and today I'm joined, I'm pleased to say, by our full-time Liverpool reporter, both home and away, James Pearce. Hi Pearce. good to see you. Cheers mate. Uh, and indeed by Christian Walsh. Hi Christian, you okay? Hello, welcome back and happy birthday. Oh well, yeah, yeah no presents necessary lads <laughs> and, and none received, <laughs> I was very glad to say but uh, yeah, I didn't time that very well there. Uh, Back in the office after a, a couple of weeks uh, away, um, straight into my birthday. But uh, Big listen, five not that bad, not that bad. But, uh, <laughs> right, let's just move on with this podcast. People aren't here uh, to listen to this. Um, so look, we're going to look back to Palace, a uh, much needed win for the Reds. Uh, look forward to the massive game this week uh, against Hoffenheim. Um, Lads, we were all at, at Anfield on Saturday. Piercy, after the disappointment of dropping those late two points at Vicarage Road the previous weekend, it wasn't a sparkling display from Liverpool, but playing OK-ish and getting the points will... I think most people would have walked away feeling reasonably happy. Yeah, it was uh, um, It was the kind of game we've seen so many times in, in recent years at Anfield where an opponent... Just comes and shuts up shop and, and just looks to frustrate. I was I was surprised by how Palace set up and it was it was quite unfrank the bull like, wasn't it? The way that they you know, they went long towards Benteke virtually every opportunity. The um you know, it was a back five with the, the two holding midfielders as well. There's very little space for Liverpool's front three to operate in and first half I thought Liverpool were pretty poor. You know, they didn't you know, apart from the quality provided from Andy Robertson. Uh, from that left flank, there was there was there was nothing else, no real spark or guile about them. Um, but in the second half, they improved a lot, I thought, and you know, especially after that big let off, you know, after the Benteke miss, um, there seemed to be more urgency and purpose to the play going forward. Um, a little bit of luck with the goal, um, but then you know, once it, it, to be honest, the last fifteen minutes just underlined how important that first goal is because then suddenly Palace had to show a little bit of ambition and then really in the end it should have been three or four for the Reds. Yeah, Christian, the, that, that first half, as Jim said, Liverpool had obviously made a few changes in the team. One of them was to give Andy Robertson a debut at left-back. It, it didn't take a genius to work out that he had an impact on the game. I think everybody walked away thinking he was probably our best player, certainly most effective in the sense that he got some good balls in from the left and worked some openings with... Firmino and Milner on that side, and uh, he did what he didn't have any. He seemed to be without nerves for a start, but he and we'd expected him to be good offensively, but he did just deliver on a, on his first first appearance. You did. You look at Robertson when he was at Hull, and obviously this is only you, you can only go with what you see on match of the day, can't you? It's for for other teams, but he always seems to have that decent whip ball in from from the left back position, and he, he did it within. Was it five, ten minutes of his debut for Liverpool and then put another two or three really quality balls in? You had Joel Matip, who, whose head must be, I don't know what shape it is, but it's certainly isn't <laughs> spherical. He couldn't convert that chance um, despite the goal gaping. He put one on Mane's toes, which Mane, a bit of rare mis- miscontrol. It was sort of his shin to knee area, yeah. I think. I, I, just don't, toes, I, don't but... think, I don't think the team, uh, they, they've been so bereft of quality deliveries into the box for the past 18 months I don't think they, they, they quite know how to, how to He's absolutely it. shocked to yeah. find it arrive yeah. <laughs> chins on the floor when, when, when it didn't when it actually cleared the first map 
And in general, it, it, it was a good it was a good performance from him. He, he as you said, he, he put some really good balls into the box. I mean, defensively, I think a fair few of their chances came down. Well, the only chance came down that left hand side. I know Claran was was the one that you can point fingers to, but you look back at it and you you're wondering where Andy Robertson is there on that on that chance. And I think when Klopp spoke before the game about how he still has to learn and how he has to integrate, I think that's more defensively than offensively. Because um, he seemed he seemed in sync. I mean, he was playing along with Firmino ahead of him, and Firmino was no natural left-sided player, really, but they seemed to strike up a decent little understanding in general, even though I don't think Firmino was that good in, in that position. He's certainly not as effective as he is when he's central. He looked to pass it into space. He, he didn't look... He's not just the cross the ball in Merchants, it looked like he was trying a few nice little inside passes and he, he fed Milner down the down the left and that created Liverpool's first chance of, of the game. The only maybe criticism in terms of offensively is I think he was a bit too hasty in terms of crossing the ball in sometimes. It worked a couple of times in terms of Matip and uh, Mane. There were a couple of times where you thought, put your foot on it, have a look at your options and don't just sling it into the box. Let's have a look who's actually around. There was at least one occasion when Milner was sort of more advanced than him on, on the byline. And there was, I think it would come from a short free kick, a quick free kick or a quick short corner. And could easily have passed it to Milner, who would have been sort of in on the similar position that he got put in in the first half when he shot at the keeper. And um, he could have given it to Milner, but he decided to put it in himself. And I, I quite like that, Piercy, in the way that you've obviously got the vice-captain there right in front of you screaming for the ball. And I know what Christian says, it probably was a better ball to give it to Milner, but I quite like the fact that he actually decided, no, I'll look up and I'll put this in myself because I, yeah. I know I can do it. And it showed showed to me that he... He, that he didn't try it, and play safe, did yeah, he? Yeah, no, he was going to do it. And yeah. He's got confidence in himself, if yeah. nothing else. And, and yeah, that, 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 that definitely struck me. And also... You know, it took some some courage as well to perform like that when he you know he's been didn't even make the bench city for the first two games. Which you know, speaking to him afterwards, you know, he said, you know, I'm not going to stand there and pretend that I was right about that because I wasn't. You know, he said, but Klopp explained it to me um, that you know he still felt as if I was adjusting and 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 getting used to the way the team plays. And you know, I had to I had to accept that and, and knuckle down. And so yeah, you, it would have been easy for someone, you know, on their debut, all eyes on him, to try and play it safe. But he he didn't. You know, he Time and again, he tried to tried to make that difference, and you know certainly not at first half. You know, he, every the only bits of quality came from his his left boot, and the uh, I think obviously Klopp took a gamble, definitely changing three of the back four in in the way he did, and I thought they all came out of it with their reputations enhanced. I thought Joe Gomez, when you think that was his first Premier League start under Klopp, um, thought he could be very proud of his his efforts as well. You, I mean, the, I've spoken to various people who say, you know, they should all now keep their places for midweek. Well, the, the thing that slightly concerns me about that is the fact that they weren't really tested because, you know, Palace for 70-odd minutes in that game showed no interest in attacking. But if if one of the three that came into that back four is retained for Wednesday, there has to be Robertson because I just don't see what Moreno possibly gives you that, that Robertson doesn't at the moment. It's a very important role, especially in games... Like the Crystal Palace won the fullback position, I think we, we we've spoken a couple of times about how last season Klopp's fullbacks were the most important, not necessarily most important players, but the the emphasis is on the fullbacks to get forward. I think it was Klein and Milner had the most overlaps in the Premier League last season, which shows you just how how Liverpool play. The idea is to get those fullbacks bombing on. 
and again, a team like Crystal Palace, you pack the midfield, the ball will inevitably come out wide in those wide positions, and you need quality deliveries into the box. There's no point getting the ball out wide, and then, as we saw a fair bit last season, James Milner cutting it onto his right foot, and then floating one into the second row of the Anfield Road stand. What you need is a, a good deliveries, and Robertson at least has shown that he's capable of that, and Trent as well is capable of that. I don't think that's really Gomez's strong point. Um, I think it was noticeable. I thought he played well in general, but didn't really create much in terms of from an out-wide position, but I don't think that's his position, to be honest. Moreno is capable of doing it, but his decision-making isn't the best. So I think in, in those sorts of games, certainly, you, for, the, for the foreseeable future, you're looking at the likes of Trent and, and Robertson on, on those uh, full-back positions. Yeah, I mean, I, I thought when he arrived, Robertson, that... Certainly for this first season that we'd see a lot more of him at Anfield than in away games because I think that if there are doubts about him defensively, that those are going to be most yeah. tested and away fixtures aren't he? Whereas at Anfield, probably where Liverpool will tend to dominate the ball against most teams, even some good teams, um, he'll get the chance more to highlight and show off what he's good at, which was clearly going forward. Hopefully, as he does that, sync up more in terms of what he can do defensively. I mean, I don't think he made uh, any significant errors defensively because he 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 didn't he didn't have to and he didn't have the almost have the opportunity to yeah. to be tested in that area. So a couple of times uh, he was out with the line, wasn't he? A little bit sometimes. Not that they were trying to play offside, but he was just visibly maybe a couple of yards behind the yeah. defensive line. But that, that, that comes. That's in about a, that rhythm of a back yeah. four, isn't it? When you change three of them, it's difficult to do that. So. I mean, I thought he did well and was a massive positive, and it's it's only one step, but it was it was a good step. Um, Milner in midfield, I have to say, I approached with trepidation. Um, there was the game last season, Stoke. Stoke you'll remember, it. You're, Christian. You're always good on those occasions, but he was he, he was poor, wasn't he? The game, it was one of those people were running past him, and it, sort of that lack of mobility um, was highlighted for me. I thought he, he, he had a decent game on Saturday, and and looked fit and mobile, and, and he got around the pitch, Milner. And uh, I have to say, he, that I think maybe against better opposition, that that could get you maybe you know he could be shown up in that area a little bit of lack of mobility. But I think he got around the pitch well on on on, on Saturday and, and did, did a decent job. Yeah, he did. Yeah. He did do a decent job. I mean, you know, it's, it was. It's a big, big afternoon for him, wasn't it? Because you know, obviously now it suddenly seems that you know the Milner left back experiment is now over. And do so, you think it is? Do you think it well, is? Well, it seems like it. I mean, the way Klopp was speaking, you know, before the season kicked off over in Dublin the week before, when he said we described him as being the new new midfielder, James Milner, didn't he? And yeah. He, and he said, you know, Alberto and, and Andy Robertson will compete for that left back slot spot. Um, you know, and Milner will know he's got a battle in his hands to, you know, at least the left back last season he was guaranteed to start every week. That's certainly not the case anymore. Um, but yeah, I thought I thought he did a, I did thought he did okay. He did everything that you'd expect from him. I think the only thing that worries me about that midfield, and you know, it's, especially in that type of game, is just that lack of creativity and dynamism and drive that you get when. You've got Henderson, Milner, and and Wijnaldum as the three, and even when you've got Chan as one of those three as well. I think I think when it, when that's the three, there's quite a big responsibility on Wijnaldum to be that the main link man to to feed the, the front three. And Wijnaldum just doesn't seem as if he's really got going this season yet. I thought I thought he was 
way off it at Watford. Um, not really any better against Hoffenheim. And, and again, Saturday seemed to pass him by for, for long periods. And, you know, obviously, you know, we hope, certainly in the week after next, Coutinho should potentially be coming back into the fold. And, you know, that completely changes this, the dynamic of that, that midfield if you have him as the as one of the three. But at the moment, you know, that that is an area of the team that concerns me. Yeah, the... the uh, I mean, like, like Piercy, I thought Wijnaldum had a terrible first two games of the season. Christian, I, um, I think I gave him a six on ratings on Saturday. I thought he was a bit better on Saturday and was a bit more involved than... You know, he, was, he almost... Hennessy almost um, threw one in for him with that uh, dribbling volley from about 25 yards that, that, that he hit, didn't he? That, that he somehow managed to have to dive full length to turn away. Um, in general, he's been a bit of a ghost, though, hasn't he? I don't think he's been necessarily been negative, but he, he hasn't been positive. He's just been there. He hasn't impacted the game negatively or positively. He's playing like a player who knows that Jürgen Klopp's been trying to buy his replacement for the best part of the summer. And, you know, for 75, 80 million, whatever, whatever, for whatever it was for Naby Keita, it feels like he was the natural I think one he's to... the one who, who would have been in that midfield thinking... Because I've always been thinking... Henderson will be sat there and thinking I'm the team captain and they've been spent a summer trying to buy Naby Keita. Different position now, isn't it? But Keita can't really play in the six. I think Keita's an eight and he, he links that midfield. And, uh, isn't, well, it, isn't the vibe that Keita is both a six and an eight and that's why he's so expensive? Possibly, but that's it. But he, I think he plays more. I think in the six you've got your Henderson and Chan and then I think you've got maybe Keita a little bit further forward. And just It felt like the natural player to step out. Not necessarily to be dropped because I think... What, we'll move on to this, but I think already this season we've seen there's going to be a fair bit of rotation in this side. Yeah. And you've got no problem, Genie Van Alden, starting at home to, to Swansea or Watford or, or Crystal Palace in, in general. I'm not saying he's thrown his toys out the pram by any stretch. I, I just feel like maybe he's just someone who's trying to rediscover his role in the team and trying to figure out exactly what he needs. He's got a new partner there in James Milner, who, who, who is miles different to Adam Lallana, certainly. I thought Milner was, was, was good. I thought he had a very big last last half hour. I thought he was one of the driving forces in terms of keeping the tempo for Liverpool. And then when they went 1-0 up, he was very sensible with, with how he was playing the game and, and there was there was no you know, stupid balls. He was trying to keep possession. I think he's one of the players who who will benefit from rotation, Milner, in the sense that he got to almost feel like a bit of a workhorse to me, Milner, and like, oh, he's always on the team sheet. You, you know what you're getting with him. Um, you just throw him out there and take his dependability most games. And actually, he can probably do a bit more than that. And if he is going to be a midfielder, he'll have to do a bit more than that and and actually keep him fresher and mentally, if more than anything, will, will actually help him show that you know he's actually a very good player, Milner, isn't he? And maybe we've got a little bit used to him at left-back, just sort of doing steady stuff. Do you know what I mean? I, yeah. think, I think also, my last memory of him in the field before that Stoke game, I think that the Stoke game was unfair. I mean, I've criticised Milner because of that game. Um, but you think about it, that, that was when he played five midfield and I think he had Trent as the right wing back. He had Woodburn. Woodburn, Woodburn yeah. It's that weird 3-5-1-1, wasn't it? The game before that, that he played in the field, if I remember rightly, was, was the Europa League final. And it just felt like after a long, hard season, Milner in that holding midfield position next to Henderson, it just didn't work. Did it? it was just so laborious and, and, and plodding. Now in this in this different sort of role, it's a bit more advanced. It's, it's a bit of an eight, maybe. Um, it's a bit more towards the right wing role that he had at City, if you see what I mean, because he can drift out wide as well. 
and and vacate that central position and sort of push out wide a little bit. I think it. I think it'll see him flourish. I think we'll we'll see a bit more from Milner, certainly from an attacking sense. But it's also just a bit of experience and a bit of nous. He's he's the vice captain. He's thirty years of age. He's he's played in the Champions League. He's won the Premier League title. He's been around the block. He knows exactly what he's doing, and that's important in those sorts of games. Both at nil nil when the crowd's getting a little bit het up and they're worried about what what's happening and, and are they going to make the breakthrough. And then at one nil when it's possible that people will lose their heads. He's just the one who's calming it all down and making sure the right ball's played at the right time. The one thing I will say, he's got to stop pushing people in the back. Yeah, he, he really he likes that and that, and he gave away a few silly fouls. A couple of silly fouls, didn't he? When Liverpool defence set pieces normally the way they do, that's that's a recipe for disaster. Yeah, I mean the goal came. Was it 73? 73. So um, there was still a fair period left, but I, d- I didn't think the crowd was uh, decent on Saturday, and that I didn't sense that. You know, sometimes you get at Anfield that, that, anxiety, that trepidation yeah. and anxiety, and I felt like the crowd was absolutely staying with the team and aware that it was potentially going to be a, you know, a, a, you know, trying to grind out a result, and that, that they were with the team and and they got it. And obviously, there was an impact off the bench. Um, we should probably mention Sturridge, obviously you started first of all. Um, what did we think of him? I, I, I thought he looked, he did one great turn, didn't he? And, yeah. Um, Loftus-Cheek is still looking for him, isn't he? But um, he didn't really have the opportunities um, to maybe show what he's best at in that there was, obviously there was no space to play into. Yeah, it wasn't um, his type of game, was it really? Yeah. I think, yeah, you, you're right. You, know, you, you saw him, he was dropping off. You know, dropping deeper and deeper, trying to get involved because there was no real service into him. Um, I'm still a bit concerned at like the lack of acceleration with him. You know, like on the back of the injuries, you just worry that he doesn't seem to have that 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 real burst of pace to to go past someone. And it was a couple of times I think first half where it just kind of got away from him. And um, yeah, I thought he did okay. It was a you know on a difficult afternoon, but um, you know I don't think you know has he done enough to keep his place Wednesday? No. Be absolutely amazed if he is in that starting eleven to face Hoffenheim. I think going back to what you said about the atmosphere, I think what probably helped as well is the fans knew that unlike times last season, Liverpool had a bench on Saturday that could actually change that game. And obviously, you, know, you could you could sense you know the excitement when when Salah comes on, Solanke as well, um, who deservedly I thought you know has appears now to have jumped ahead of Origi in the in the pecking order, which thoroughly deserved based on both of their respective contributions in the build-up to the season this summer. Um, and then, you know, people could sense that Liverpool suddenly had a front four, didn't they, with, with Firmino dropping a little bit deeper. And, yeah, it, it, didn't, it didn't get too fraught because I think you could sense that the pressure was building and, uh, and eventually that told, you know, the defensive error that Solanke helped to force and, and Mane was the, the, the man once again. Firmino in the eight was interesting, wasn't it? It was very, I mean, I know it was brief and it sort of had to happen and I suppose he was more of a, you know, a, a traditional number 10, if you Throwing will. the kitchen sink. Yeah, he was. I, I don't think we necessarily see him in that Lallana slash Coutinho role much more this season, but it just shows you that there's another string to his bow potentially as well. Yeah, um, so those substitutions, obviously Salah came on and, and brought some pace and guile down, down the right side. I'm... Uh, I'll put it out there right now. I don't think he's as quick as everybody says, Salah. Uh, I know I'm, I may be the only man on the planet. Um, I was struck by that that moment against Hoffenheim. I wasn't here last week to talk about it when he he basically 
broke away and the and the the, the, the Hoffenheim guy was he able to, he took a bad of, touch, yeah. didn't he? He took him a little bit wide. I think it was but, on his mind that he was on his right foot the whole way and he's thinking, I can't use this. I think, standing on. I think he's fast, but I don't think he moves that fast with the I've seen faster but I, I would have Mane as faster than him, even though Mane has said that he thinks Salah's faster than him. But you know, if I if I was a better man, I think everybody knows I am, I'd have I'd have uh, I'd have Mane over a hundred yards on on Salah. But uh, uh, anyway, that we will that maybe they'll set that up at some stage of the season. There'll be an um, international break, won't there? When they need some content. <laughs> yeah, for, for the for the channel. You against so, Salah. Well, yeah, I reckon he could do four hundred by the time <laughs> I did a hundred. But um, the uh, Salanki as well. Um, it was only a toe end sort of, thing. but also it wasn't just his contribution to the goal, which was in essence accidental, really, Christian. But obviously he had a, he had a good opportunity himself. He puts himself in the right positions, and he's he, he, he's got a presence, the lad, which um, which has surprised me. I say I saw him a couple of times when he was at Chelsea with the twenty threes, and I wasn't impressed with him. Uh, and I'd always been far more impressed by Tammy Abraham, who has gone on to be a good player, and obviously he's now playing Premier League football. But um, he, he's definitely uh, looks to be progressing as a player. And he, he, as Piercy says, he's he jumped up from where we very much thought he was going to be playing twenty three football this year, and no doubt he'll play a bit. But he, he's in the first team roundabout, isn't he? Definitely, so much so that I don't think anyone would necessarily panic. If he starts against Hoffenheim, which is a, a, remarkable when you think about when he signed, people were like, "Well, he was, he was this lad, and why did he sign in a you know inverted commas Chelsea reject?" There'll be a lot. There'll be a lot more talk on the terraces if they saw Origi in centre forward position than if they saw Solanke, wouldn't they? I, I which think is so now, crazy. I, yeah, but I think, as James said, I think it's well deserved. I, I, he's 19 years of age, and it's funny, isn't it? Because let's remember. Rigi was scoring a World Cup when he was 19, so he, he's he's no stranger himself to being a bit of a, yeah. a, a wonder kid. But whereas he's maybe not necessarily kicked on, certainly he's struggling for form and confidence. So Solanke looks like he's he's always willing to have a shot, isn't he? He's always willing, and you know he can improve that. I think he's certainly in pre-season. You've seen that he, he shoots too close to the keeper sometimes. And he did it again against Palace. His finishing maybe needs to be touched up upon. But in terms of getting into the right positions and and just the way he carries himself. He's 19. He's coming on at nil nil in a, in a, in a high pressure situation. He doesn't look unfazed. He doesn't look fazed. He doesn't look daunted. He's, he's absolutely calm. He just plays his natural game. And you think about times when Liverpool have, have had to throw on youngsters in the past, and, and I include Origi in that at times when they've, they've been in a bit of trouble and they've, they've thrown on Origi or I think back to older days like maybe like an Engog or, or that sort of player. Uh, even like a Barini, maybe when he when he first joined, and 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 there's just been no sort of there's been nothing there. It's been a waste of a substitute, basically. It doesn't. It looks like he's ready to make an impact, and every time he gets on the ball, and and, and I'm sure there'll be times when he he's stationed out wide and he doesn't really do much. But so far, so good in terms of Solanke. Yeah, I mean, we mustn't get ahead of ourselves, I guess, because he will be almost certainly a substitute and a 23s player probably for most of the year. He still hasn't scored you know, a competitive goal, has he? And, and you know, there's a long way to go. Origi's got quite quite a decent number of goals under his belt. So, And we're probably getting slanky at a period where he's just come off winning the uh, the World Cup, whatever, under 20s, was it, um, in the summer. So his confidence is going to be massively high and you're going to be getting the best of him right now. But... Hopefully that can sort of see him through your normal difficult first few months at a club, and potentially then if you if you hit the ground running, 
who knows where it can take you. So uh, I think he's just loving getting a chance, isn't he? Because he, you know, yeah. he, he, you know, I'm sure there were promises made. Obviously, when Liverpool snapped him up, but you know, in the back of his mind, he probably been thinking, oh, I wonder if if that, if it will be like that, and it, and it, and it really isn't. You know, Klopp is you know, made it very very clear that you know if 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 he likes what you're producing on the training ground, you'll get a chance, regardless of your age or your experience or, or whatever. And so I think you know, what a huge source of motivation that is for him, the fact that Klopp called upon him at such an important stage of the first home game of the season when you know he was used to just being completely ignored down at Chelsea, nowhere near that first team, no no pathway, no real hope. And, and now he's at you know, a massive club where you know, he, 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 can, he can see that route so I think, yeah, I think I think you're right. Still very early days for him, but you know, I, yeah, I was so impressed by him in pre-season. I think the only concern would be how much that tribunal's going to settle upon because uh, I know it was three million quid that was being muted around, and um, you know, I think from what we've seen so far, if, if if Liverpool get away with paying that little for him, they will have done very very well. I think the Origi Solanke thing as well is, I don't think Origi can play in a front three. I just don't think he suits that sort of Jürgen, that Jürgen Klopp's from free style. I think he can play in a two, and I think he can play as that one up on his own as the lone target man. But I just don't think he can move out wide and, and interchange. But I think Solanke's maybe been brought up in that sort of environment, and I think you'll be able to tell yeah. this what he's done that he did out of Chelsea in the 23s. Yeah. With England, he drops off a lot, doesn't he? Because they, um, they had Calvert-Lewin playing exactly. the same forward the same sort of idea, isn't it? Yeah. So... I, th- I think he's more suited to being able to pop up on the left, pop up on the right, go deeper, and that will work more in a Jürgen Klopp forward line. Great. Well, I think overall, I mean, as a Premier League weekend, obviously, things, you've, obviously, we've got Everton to come against City tonight, but apart from that, it was a relatively good weekend for Liverpool in the sense that they've got, you know, a tr- potentially tricky game given Crystal Palace had won the last three at Anfield out of the way. Got themselves going, four points from six now, and then obviously you have a situation where they're now, you know, early days of course, but you know, with Chelsea beating Tottenham, then you, you know you're you're above, still above Chelsea, you're above Tottenham, Arsenal losing at Stoke was a bonus because all these things are relative, of course, to wherever. And I think everyone's looking at United now, thinking they look really strong. You know, they haven't played anybody, have they? No. But um, that team, you know, is clearly going to be a much better team than he had last year, Mourinho, and obviously he won two trophies with it last year, so they're obviously a big threat, and um, I don't think anyone left Anfield on Saturday feeling Liverpool were anywhere close to where we think this team can get to. Um, we'll come on to talk about transfers after we have a chat about Hoffenheim, but I still think feel that there's like a little bit of a Coutinho cloud over the whole club, and I thought Trent's goal on in the first leg at Hoffenheim was one of those things that helped help lift and clear it f- for a while and then it sort of almost descends again. I think people are just sitting there hoping that this big dark cloud passes through as quickly as possible and we can get on with st- starting the season proper. And Similar that- to Suarez in a way, isn't it? The 2013-14. Now, I know, I know Suarez was never going to leave necessarily, but he had that um, suspension for... Uh, biting Ivanovic towards the back end of the season before he wasn't available for the first five games and he was just sort of thinking oh you know what's going to happen here when he comes back what Liverpool did really well that season 2013-14 was 
they won games and, and they got themselves into a decent position for when Suarez came back. Yeah. So when he did come back, it was a bonus. It wasn't yeah. an over-reliance and, oh God, we need Suarez back and then he comes back and, and it's all on him. It was sort of like, well, this team are actually not bad anyway. They're, they're, they're obviously like a decent football team and you know, here comes Luis Suarez yeah. to throw in the mix. I think that's what Liverpool need to get at. If, if Liverpool can get to... September 1st, and you know, Jürgen Klopp said, didn't he, before the game, or was it after the game, August 31st, he's, he's only going to consider the Coutinho situation then, which to me says we're not going to see him, are we, until at least Man City away. If they can get to that international break and they are into the Champions League group stages and they've got seven points out of nine, or worst case scenario, five points out of nine, and then you've got Philip Coutinho's come back into that midfield, into that mix. I think it just that, that cloud completely goes, and it's just one big ray of sunshine. Yeah, I think I mean that's exactly how I'm feeling as a, as, a, as a supporter. To be honest, almost you almost wish away a couple of weeks because you just want <laughs> get us into that. This is a good chance to move into talking about Hoffenheim. Get into that Champions League draw, as you say, Christian. Get get over the window. Let that window shut. Coutinho then knows he's a Liverpool player for the foreseeable, um, and. We, we we can move on. Um, Hoffenheim, of course, will have different ideas about letting us into the uh, those Champions League group stages. Piercy, you were over in Germany last week. Um, watching in the pub, I have to say, I, I I was thinking they played out from the back unbelievably regularly for um, for a, a manager who must know Klopp's mo off pressurising teams high on the pitch and it, it felt a little bit like they played into Liverpool's hands but clearly he has confidence in his players that they can play around the press and if, if you do play around the press you create your own opportunities which of course they did as well which it'd be, it's going to be really interesting to see how they approach the Anfield tie then it is yeah I mean it was it was so much more open last week than I thought it would be and I thought you know although although Liverpool won on the night I thought Hoffenheim I was really impressed by just how good they were technically and and how much am, ambition they showed. Probably a bit, you know, I thought they were almost a bit too reckless in the second half when they were having a, a good spell and, and Liverpool were just under the cosh of it. They they did leave themselves w- wide open and you know, that game, that first leg could have been anything. It could have been three three, could have been four four. You know, Liverpool should really have have, have got more than the two away goals. Yet, you know, that header that, that Hoffenheim missed at the death would have put a a different complexion on the night. So, yeah, I, I I think the second leg will be more of the same. I don't I don't really see them changing. I don't think I don't I think don't think Klopp has even I think I don't think he will consider trying to hold on to what Liverpool have got because I think he'll know that's asking for trouble and that this isn't a team that's really capable of doing that. Um, and I think it will be another another night which will probably be great for the the neutrals, but um, could well be. Pretty nervy for, for for the Reds, Christian. The last thing I'm expecting at Anfield on Wednesday is a couple of early goals for Liverpool, <laughs> and we can all sit back and. There's all, you always feel like there's there's a even when that late goal went in for Hoffenheim, you thought oh, that there's there's the first twist twist of what will be several before we can hopefully get into those Champions League group stages. It um, Hoffenheim they're still talking a very strong game and that. It was clear from the weekend that their their emphasis is very much on on Anfield rather than the Bundesliga at the moment. Isn't yeah, it? I'd, I'd 
I'm convinced Hoffenheim score the opener on Wednesday. I just, I just feel like it's, it's, it, it just feels so Liverpool at the moment, doesn't it? For, for, for it not to be as simple. Hope I'm wrong. I hope it's. Uh, I think the the Villarreal semi final a couple of years ago was the most weirdly routine semi final I can ever remember from Liverpool. It was just sort of oh right, okay, so three 0 and into the final you go. I just, I feel like first of all we'll, you, you look back and feel that maybe those last 10 minutes in Germany was a missed opportunity in the sense that it's 2-0. There were chances there. A couple of those cutbacks were just a couple of inches too short or too long and then you let them back into that tie. At 2-0 and certainly 3-0, it's, it's dead in the water. It's gone. So the backs are up but that could also play into Liverpool's hands because the reason Liverpool were creating those chances is because it was a 2-0 scenario and Hoffenheim knew they had to score one at least or two. It's pretty much the same situation at Anfield. They know they're going to have to score. They're going to have to come out. And Liverpool, as we've been talking about, are at the best when there's space to play into and space to exploit. I mean, do we think Nagelsmann will, will, will try and keep it tight for, for 60 at nil-nil, get the, get the goal and then go for the second? Or do you reckon he'll go all out? I don't know. It's as much of a dilemma for him, I feel, as much as it is for Klopp, because not that Klopp only knows how to play one way. He showed that he, that's not true against Palace, but... There's no doubt that Liverpool would love to daily love to blow Hoffenheim out the walls from the first fifteen, get, get a two in the lead, and then and then everyone's everyone's happy. But that runs its own risks as well. So he's, I think both managers have got this real dilemma about how to to approach this game, and it could end up being a bit of a chess match, which ends up nil nil. To be honest, I, I know we think it'll be open, but it could end up both teams cancel each other out because no one's going to make that first move. Yeah. Uh- he rested players, obviously Klopp did it at the weekend, didn't yeah. he, I think? Uh, Wagner didn't play at all. Um, I thought he was probably their best player in terms of outlets. He was certainly the most yeah. impactful. Um, Uf, who scored, he started alongside Zalai, the Hungarian lad, who scored the winner. Sorry, he set up the winner for Kramaric, who came on. Um, they won 1-0 with a late goal against Werder Bremen at home. It's, um, I imagine Wagner and Hamrich will both start as they did in the, in the away leg. So those have got a decent rest. Wagner's got 90 minutes rest there. I think Hamrich's got about 60 minutes rest. He come on with half an hour to go. Um, de, de, is it Demirbay? The Karim Demirbay, the, the central midfielder. I thought he was by far their best player, dictated the tempo. He went off injured towards the end. He played 64, 65 minutes for them. So it looks like he's fine, he's, fine, he's fit. The rest of the couple of players, as I say, front line they rested. Um, Nabri, he was he was rested as well. So it was a bit like Liverpool in the sense that there were, I think there was three or four changes from the team that you'd expect to start at Anfield, and they ground for one 0 winner at home with a late goal. So in that sense, I think it's pretty much even. Stevens, is Liverpool likely to be pretty much same team as we saw over there? Probably would we? Yeah, uh, I mean, Robertson I th- and Moreno, I suppose. Is- yeah, I think I think you know you, I think. It, those who came into the team on Saturday, I don't think any of them kind of damaged their prospects. But yeah, I think Trent will come back in at, at right back. Um, you know, I hope Robertson gets the nod ahead of Moreno. I think that that would make sense to me at the moment. I think you know you could almost make an argument for Clavan starting ahead of Lovren, considering how poor Lovren started the season. But I don't think he will. Um, you know, I, I think Lovren will come back in. I think Chan will certainly come back in. It'll be interesting to see. Who he replaces? Will it? You know, will Wijnaldum pay for his slow start, or will maybe Milner 
um, probably the, the more likely one you'd suggest to, to drop to the bench. Um, I think the other interesting thing will be just, you know, how Hoffenheim deal with the, the occasion as well, because you know, we talk about this being absolutely massive for Liverpool. Well, you know, for Hoffenheim, it's their first ever European away game. You know, they've never, never competed at this level before. You know, they won't have experienced, um, you know, a European night at Anfield. Um, you know, from being over there for the first leg, you know, the buzz around the place because, you know, it was, it was you know, a historic occasion for a club that, you know, the turn of the century, they were in the fifth tier of, of German football. And so, you know, it's, you know, they, you know obviously, as Christian said, the way that, that Nagelsmann dealt with the, their, their game on the weekend shows, you know, just how much importance has been placed on this trip to Anfield. And, you know, some, some teams come and are energised by that. Others, like Villarreal, a couple of years ago, look like rabbits in, in the headlights and completely crumble. Um, but yeah, I just, I just, I think, I, I don't, I, I think it will be open. But I just, I think both teams will score because, um, just because I, I, I think, you know, there was, there was that many chances in the first leg and I don't really see this one being any different. Yeah. And Christian, if we can get over the line however we do it, we move on to the draw immediately on uh not immediately. Well, not on the pitch. Not on the pitch, <laughs> no. But uh, the very next day. Yeah, five yeah. five o'clock uh, British summertime. It is summertime still, apparently. Um, yeah, it's 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 not the Friday as people might have been accustomed to from old Champions League draws. I think they make it a bit of a an evening event now because you know glitz and glamour and all that. Um, so yeah, it's going to be a Friday. Uh, sorry, Thursday, five o'clock. Uh, if Liverpool get there, they will be in pot three. That's that's guaranteed. Pot one is the champions pot, so it's that's where you get your big club coming out almost certainly. Not necessarily though. That, this is this is the, this is the strange thing because there's a, there's there's a, as much chance of getting a Bayern or a Juventus as there is getting a Spartak Moscow or a Shakhtar Donetsk. So you don't know if it could that could actually play into Liverpool's hands. What it does mean is that pot two is loaded. That is a real. Um, Difficult pot for Liverpool if they were to get there. I feel like I've got to say that after every sentence, just so yeah. I don't jinx it. Um, <laughs> but that pot two's got, off the top of my head, it's got Barcelona, it's got Paris Saint-Germain, it has uh, Dortmund, it's got Porto, it's got Atletico Madrid, it's got Sevilla. So it's so, got your great trips and your hard games, essentially, hasn't exactly. it? Exactly. Uh, and then pot four, Chelsea could be in there. I mean, they will be in the draw, it just depends whether they get bumped up to pot three. Um, Leipzig will be in there. That'd be interesting. Um, I think who else will be in there? There's a couple of other teams knocking around there as well. Um, it, it, there's still it's still quite open in terms of the qualifiers. A couple of qualifiers. You've got teams like Rijeka, won the Croatian league for the first ever time I think last season, and now they're on the verge of qualifying. They'd obviously be pot four. So Liverpool could end up with Liverpool could end up if they get there with a, with a, a group of you know let's say Bayern Munich, Atletico Madrid, and um, Celtic, which it would be the easiest if it comes out like that I'm blaming you <laughs> um, um, well we, we better stop talking about the draw because people will be getting annoyed then when, <laughs> when, we're not, even though we've said if we get there 40 times people do get annoyed about it so that's Hoffenheim and we'll end Piercy with a obviously uh, everyone every supporter is is obsessed with 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 the window and and what might happen before it it slams shut uh, in ten days time or so, um, you popped up a, an update on a couple of situations onto uh, 
the Echo site uh, just before we popped in here and uh, just give us give us the latest on 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 Van Dyke if you can. Yeah, well, I think obviously it's been kind of reignited the talk about Van Dyke on the back of Southampton shelling out seventy million pound on a new centre half, and Christian can help me with the pronunciation of his name, the, uh, the Dutchman from Lazio, Hut, um, who has been guaranteed first team football uh, apparently by Saints. Um, so I think you know, speaking to people at Liverpool, um, you know, obviously it goes without saying that if if there was a deal there to be done, they're very much there, ready and waiting. Um, but as it stands at the moment, they're not aware of Saints' stance having changed, which has been the same as Liverpool's with Coutinho all summer, that they're not willing to put a price on him because he's he's not for sale. Um, but, you know, I think even even though their chairman came out last week and, and said he wouldn't be going anywhere, you know, I think the uncertainty remains because you know, he's still not back training with the team. Um, you know, it's, it's, I think it's about a month now that that's been going on before. Obviously, he put in that written transfer request a fortnight ago, as well, um, I think probably one of the, the most striking things is the fact that it, it, it does seem to be well. It, 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 from what I'm told, it will be Van Dyke or nothing. You know, there isn't there isn't a plan B as such, um, which I think is a is a huge gamble if that is how it it does play out. If you know, I think Van Dyke is a is a game changer for Liverpool. I think if they were to be able to get him and keep Coutinho, I think you could make an argument as this window being pretty successful um, if if you just keep Coutinho and don't make any other further signings I think it's difficult to paint it as anything other than a, a very disappointing one um, but yeah, yeah I think you know, if he doesn't get Van Dijk to go into this season with, with Lovren, Matip, Clavan and Gomez as your four centre-halves I'd be fearful that there, there isn't sufficient cover and, and quality there um, I, th- I suppose the other one to mention is, is Draxler who's been mentioned as a, as a potential target the last few days on the back of it looks to, it looks like PSG are willing to listen to offers for him um, despite only buying him what eight months ago from Wolfsburg um, but again you know, I'm told that Klopp isn't isn't about to reignite his interest in him obviously a left-sided attacker Liverpool have already um, bought Salah and brought in Solanke this summer Klopp is very happy with his options in terms of the front line um, so yeah I think we can definitely discount Draxler but you know I think Klopp said said I think it was last week about you know we're still looking and I think they are looking in terms of a centre midfielder because he knows that um, you know especially with Lallana's injury and, and Coutinho's absence that 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 is an area of the squad where where he is where he is light on uh, on numbers so yeah potentially a centre midfielder and obviously potentially still Van Dijk but it looks like if it's not Van Dijk it, there, there won't be a, any defensive incomings whatsoever. And just to just to clarify, because I don't think we've done a blood red since the third Barcelona offer went went in on Friday. I think um, that that was an offer that had had all sorts of strings attached, <laughs> more more strings than Yehudi Men, Menuhin's uh, fiddle, didn't it? I think. Uh, yeah, attached to it. just just a bit of a bizarre situation. It was I think it was eighty two million pounds guaranteed, but even that was payable in in four instalments over an, over a number of years. Um, £36 million in add-ons, which Liverpool felt were highly unrealistic in terms of Champions League triumphs and Ballon d'Ors and um, 
So you know that enabled Barcelona to to brief that they they'd offered 118 million pound for Coutinho when you know in essence they hadn't. Um, but you know I think I think the other important thing to say with that is the structure of the deal wasn't the reason why it got rejected. If, you know if if it had been 118 million pound that arrived in cash in a lorry to Melwood, I think it still would have got turned down because. You know, FSG's stance has been so entrenched. You know, on the back of that public statement they put out, they could hardly, you know, to back down would have been humiliating. Um, so no, I think you know, obviously, and it's it's true as well that Barcelona did did then having despite the, the offer being rejected, then gave Liverpool a seven p.m. Sunday deadline to say if you don't accept it by then, we're withdrawing it from the table. And that email from Barcelona just got ignored and went. Didn't there was no reply? I think those traces spam now, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> just, I mean, it's just I don't understand how that works. Where you know, it's like I, I, asking a girl out and yeah. she says no. Here's Casey Penny, here's my number. Yeah. You know, yeah. well, you, know, you think of it again. You only got till seven pm on yeah. Sunday, and then I'll, I won't be asking you yeah. again. <laughs> so, and, and you know, Liverpool, as far as Liverpool are concerned, the saga is over now. You know, I think it's been interesting that um, you know Barcelona seem to be in briefing today that. They're now moving on to other targets, um, so it it does look as if the message has finally got through, and, and they have accepted that that Coutinho won't be a Barcelona player in this window. I, I, Barcelona fans must be going absolutely spare. I mean, you, Liverpool. You think about I mean, the anger that Liverpool fans have got. Some Liverpool fans at the moment, and and some of it's understandable, most certainly. Barcelona are just just stumbling in the dark, aren't they? Yeah. They don't have a clue. Well, the problem Barcelona have got, and it's a similar problem in the Premier League, I suppose, but to accelerate for them is because how good Madrid have won Champions League last two seasons, yeah. and uh, and they look even even better because some of those players that your Asensios and everything else are starting to really flourish. And we haven't seen players come out of... Very many players come out of La Masia into the Barcelona team recently. Does I'm that sure people. De La Feo, which is ridiculous. Yeah. He couldn't yeah. get a game at Everton. Yeah, they, they, I mean, it sounds crazy to say it, and no doubt, you know, in six months' time it can feel very different. But at the moment, Barcelona seem like a team going the wrong direction. Say, well, Liverpool's yeah, through them in the Champions League, comment, if they get there. No problem with that. That, that, that. They they probably be one of the plum ties of Potsy, to be honest, at the minute, because they really messy aside. And Suarez is obviously injured, of course, so yeah. you might even have to face him. Well, you know our front line could do serious damage on that Barcelona defence, you think. Uh, obviously, you know, there's there's the potential. I'm not fancying Ragnar Clavan against Messi. But, uh, but I mean, there was a lot of love around for Clavan's performance on Saturday. People thought I was a bit tight giving him... Six, but I have to say I took a full mark off for getting yeah, yeah, yeah. skinned by you know Loftus Cheek. I spoke to quite a few fans after on in the pub on Saturday night, and they were singing Clavan's praises. And I do think it is quite funny, and like the fine margins, because if Benteke sticks that in, then Clavan gets absolutely dogs abuse. And if that's a one-nil defeat, it's held up as this is why Liverpool cannot go into this season with these as the centre-back options. But you know, he's the most relieved man inside Anfield when Benteke blazes over from six yards. And to be fair to him, apart from that, I thought that was a the one blip on his on his he, afternoon. He you know he was pretty commanding. Apart he from won that. several headers against Benteke, yeah. which a lot of Matip didn't try to win any headers against him. He basically tried to 
let him head it, and then I'll nip second in balls, and try, and, try yeah. and get the second one, yeah. didn't he? So you should say that Matic was good, wasn't he? I thought, I thought, I think for all the spotlight on Liverpool being weak defensively in the early weeks, part that early sections of the season, I thought Matic has actually started really well, and you know, it was in, Klopp made a beeline for him after the final whistle, and you know, I think you know where where you've sometimes been frustrated with Matic is he's not tough enough and. Like, aggression, aggression it doesn't, yeah. yeah, yeah, and you know, I don't think that comes naturally to him. But yeah, I, I, you know, you just the only thing with Matip is you just think how good will he look with someone, you know, equally as 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 talented alongside him, which I don't think he's had during his first thirteen, fourteen months as a Liverpool player. I think he's had sometimes when you get the when you get Dejan Lovren at his best, because I think at his best, Lovren is a real quality player. But the problem is he has this. He's an eight or two. He, he he is a bit of a well. I can't say that because I've famously given them six on a couple of occasions when uh, when it didn't go down well both ways with people. Um, but yeah, he can be you know he can be a very good player, Lovren. But then when he throws in his stinkers, they tend to be they tend to be highlighted, don't they? So that hence why we've had a summer where Virgil Van Dijk has been uppermost in our minds. Uh, I should just give a brief mention to uh, Steven Gerrard, who got his first win as under 18s manager on Saturday morning there was a good crowd up at uh, at Kirby for that I'd say probably you know a sort of doubled number of people on the front pitch um, with Gerard with his first home game so well done to the 18s uh, and they play again on Friday night against Newcastle uh, at 7 o'clock up the academy if anyone fancies popping up there well worth a trip I'd say and, uh, and the 23s Christian uh, got their home season underway with a, a win at Tranmere, not a great game to be fair, but uh, a couple of good half-time substitutes got 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 them over the line. They, they, they were pre-planned, funnily enough. So Ryan Kent and uh, Michael Gruwich both uh, went went off after 45 minutes, pre-planned because I think Neil Christie alluded to afterwards they could be in and around the squad at least for the Hoffenheim game for the seniors. Um, so on came. Matty Virtue and, and Ryan Brewster, and they were the, the goal scorers. Yeah, Virtue two. with two, Brewster with one. But I know Virtue did really well with some late runs to the box, but Ryan Brewster's really exciting. He's a, he's at under twenty three level there. He just he already looks like he's he's stepped up in class again. Um it wouldn't surprise me if we see him in the in the first team in a in a cup competition at some point towards the end of the season. Brilliant. Well, um I think we probably covered most bases uh for this week. Uh I think we'll be we'd best come back probably on Thursday night if if we're in the draw, we'll probably be back on Thursday night, I would think. Um, or, if not, we'll be drowning not, if, if not, we'll be drowning. <laughs> if not, we'll speak to you in May. Well, yeah, because uh, that will depress everybody. But hopefully back maybe Thursday night to talk about, uh, fingers crossed, Liverpool in that Champions League draw. Um, think, you know, let's, let's hope for the very best on Wednesday. Thanks for uh, listening and uh, chat to you then.